We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. guys are having a great day here me and five are recording this on saturday morning right before 10 a.m so thank you all so much for listening to this podcast but we thought it was time to do a setting the pace mailbag podcast we have not done one of these in a hot minute we were doing one like every week at one point and we we're doing every one like one every month now we've kind of cut back and so we thought it's going to be the end of november we got a little bit of a break here let's go ahead and talk about some or take some mailbag questions. So, Fachi, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I got this this giant bag of mail on me, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready, ready to, to read to, it. To, I'm ready to read. You know, I I feel like this is like uh you know mail galore out here because the mailbag episode is back, and uh, we had a lot of questions coming today. So, I appreciate all the listeners yes. that contributed one. Absolutely, we always appreciate the questions. It makes it easy for us to be able to have nice conversations that we might not be able to have with our other regular schedule. So, Fachi, let's get things started here. Who is our first question from? All right. We have Pacer Faithful, a.k.a. Chuck and Jamie, said, Hot take. Are we convinced that Obi is actually better than Nora? Nora is definitely better offensively, might be a better rebounder, and honestly, not sure that he's worse defensively. All right. So I replied on Twitter to this, and I just put 100% with a laughing emoji, and I still kind of feel the same way. I mean... If you guys watch Jordan War throughout the year, like when he hasn't been playing, and there's a reason why, I think that Rick Carlisle understands like Obi Toppin gives you much more of an athletic presence out there on the floor. He's a much better finisher. The Pacers desperately needed athleticism. Jordan Awara might be a better offensive player because he can be a better scorer, but that might be the only thing I trust him over with Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin's rebounding numbers have not been great. I'll, I'll give you that, you know. But Jordan Ward was terrible in that Raptors game. He had some decent defensive moments, but offensively was just pressing too much. And with the style of play the Pacers want to play, I think that for me, this is an easy answer. I think Obi Toppin is significantly better than Jordan Ward and fits what the Pacers want to do more. I think Jordan Ward 
He's on an expiring contract for $3 million, and the Pacers really can't even offer him that much money, if I'm not mistaken, right? So he's a guy that he's going to be here for a little bit, but I uh, <clears throat> I don't believe uh, he's ever going to really crack the rotation consistently. I'm with you. I think from what we've seen out of, out of Nora, he's a much better scorer. Like, he's a shooter. Like he this this yeah. man is a, is a better shooter, no doubt about it, especially from three point land. But I think that Obi has a higher ceiling. He's far more athletic. And the key thing that you said is he fits the style with what the Pacers are looking to do. He wants to be out there and run. He's a great lob threat for Tyrese. You look at a lot of the baskets that Obi's getting; they're easy baskets that Obi uh, Tyrese is able to put him in position to succeed for. Unlike Jordan War, who it's going to become you know more from a shooting standpoint. I think both players leave more to be desired on defense, but I, I think that right now Obi's putting together a string of consistency where he scored 14 or more in five of his last six games. He's yeah. done it on 75% shooting over that time because he's sticking to his strengths. Meanwhile, for, for Nora, that Raptors game was tough because those were felt like those were his most meaningful minutes and he did not deliver. He did not score in that game. And I felt like each time he's come in, it's pretty much just score, score, score. He's looking to shoot the ball. And I don't think that's going to um, translate to winning basketball for this Pacers team. And I will say, I don't necessarily think that Obi Toppin is the answer at the power four position moving forward. Neither I do think I, that, unfortunately. I think he could be a really nice bench player and really bring a, a nice spark to this team. And if he'd be willing to play off the bench and be like seventh, eighth man, something like that, then that could be huge for the Pacers. But Right now, I'm just I'm just not seeing the Jordan Wara should get more minutes. And sorry if I was being disrespectful on Twitter with my reply of 100 percent with the laughing emoji, but that's just where I'm at. <clears throat> I'm not I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan this season of what we've seen from Jordan Wara. He had one special half against the Orlando Magic, and that was when they were down <laughs> by 40 points. So yep. the opportunities that he's had to get more minutes, he is never he's not really taken that and kind of run with it. And he was sulking a little bit because he wasn't in the rotation too. So it's just like, I'm sorry, but like I, I'm I just don't I just don't see them that close at all. I think Obi is a tier ahead of him in terms of what they bring to the ta table. But let's move on. Young Simba said, Do you think the real sec second option is already on this roster or will we need to trade for one? I would love to say that the second option is currently on this roster in Matherin or Miles, but I'm not convinced that either is that second option night in, night out. I feel that Turner and Matherin could probably be super ideal third options, but the Pacers may very well have to pursue that second option via trade because it feels like a revolving door night in, night out of whose night is it going to be as the number two. Yeah, so here, here's what I will say. I, I don't think that the number two option is on the team. And that's where it gets kind of difficult because I'm not sure 100% that Ben Matherin fits the style of play the Pacers want to play. <laughs> it's been very up and down this year for him. Last year, he was pretty good off the bench, but like Rick Carlisle alluded to, which we talked about in the last podcast, it's just it's a difference being from year one to year two. Teams start scouting a little bit differently. Ben's not a great three-point shooter. He can play a little bit faster, but – the offense kind of feels like it sticks a little bit when he's out there on the floor, and it's mm -hmm. been a little bit more of a, of, of a refreshing watch with, with Buddy Hill being inserted into the starting lineup for him because Buddy is constantly moving, but he's a really good shooter. So to me, it's like I don't know what the right second option is, but I don't think it's Ben Matherin. I think Ben Matherin could be a part of this team maybe as a third or fourth option. 
Um, but I, I don't necessarily see it. Maybe I'm just being a little bit too in the moment right now and not looking long term. But this is where I think they really need to find a number two guy that can be in that front court. Um, we'll talk about names later, but there are a lot of more options in the front court, in my opinion, that could be the number two guy that aren't on this team that could be available in the next couple of years. So that's how I would address this. But right now, I mean, Miles Turner, really solid at what he does. Not a number two option, third no. or fourth option. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. We have a lot of third or four options, and Tyrese is number one. So they got to find number two, young Simba. I agree with you. It's It's time, and I think that they're ready to make a bigger trade. But at the same time, we have to always go back to what they said at the beginning of the year. We're still looking at this in a long-term process. We don't want to rush things. So the the front office might feel completely different and feel like Ben can be the number two, but I just don't see it right now. Yeah, I would love for him to be the number two. I think we all would, but we've all watched enough Pacer basketball to say consistently I don't know if if he can be that guy yeah. because he, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it on a consistent basis. So I, I'm with you. I think we're both in agreement. The number two option I don't believe is on this team at the moment. But next question that we have, Caleb Rodriguez, you know, recently on, uh, you know, trivia, you know, fan of the week. We appreciate you, Caleb. He said, what trade would you like to see the Pacers pull off before the trade deadline? Yeah, this is a good one here. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I think without spoiling too many of our questions ahead of time, I think that the trade I would like to see them pull off is something I just kind of alluded to, and that's going out there and getting a power forward that can really help this team. And we just played a team that has two power forwards on expiring deals. We talked about them at nauseum for the past four months, and that's OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. But the Pacers are able to somehow pull one of those two guys away from Toronto. That is exactly what I would do. Now, what the trade looks like, I couldn't tell you, but I do think that it would have to be parting ways of potentially someone that is part of the rotation now, which could make things a little bit more difficult in terms of wanting to break things up if the Pacers are playing well. But if you look at that month of January, Fachi, it is brutal for the Pacers. They've got a lot of tough games, a lot of uh, rough backs-to-back. They've got a six-game road trip in January. So they really got to find their, their footing in December and get a big win-loss record, like a really good advantage there with more wins than losses because January is going to be tough. So overall, though, I feel like a trade for one of OG or Pascal makes a ton of sense to me. Um, there, there may be another guy that could be available. Maybe a Brandon Ingram is available. But that, that to me, is like I'm not sure if he's the right defensive person they need for this mm, team. I don't so, think so. Um, OG and Pascal fit perfectly to me, though, for this Pacers roster. Oh, I mean, if you can get either of them, that's fantastic. Now, Vermont didn't really necessarily name a specific player, but it was more of is there a scenario, something that we talked about recently, where you could package like a McConnell and Nuora and like a second-round pick and go out and get someone that could help this team defensively. Nothing that truly shakes up this core so much this year because I don't think this is – the year i think this is like you know we're really ramping up and how can we get this team experienced and while this player is not going to be available is there a player like a contavious caldwell pope that can be out there that can make a defensive impact that is actually right in that range of 13 to 14 million dollars which is what mcconnell and war add up to so if there's a player like that i mean look at the impact that he had on the lakers and the nuggets winning championships that guy does all the dirty work. Is there one of those guys out there? I'm sure there's got to be, but I, I just didn't think that the Pacers would make a, a major splash this year compared to maybe the offseason. Yeah, you kind of have to wonder, like, who was a perfect fit out there? I, I, I'm going to look up the stats while I'm talking here, but I haven't really seen much on Dorian Finney-Smith this year, Fachi. Have you heard much about Dorian? 
I have not, but I know that that is someone you've had your eyes on for and about a year. That much that same money you were talking yep. about. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious what his stats are. I think this year he's averaging 11 points, five rebounds, and 1.4 assists. It's good for him. So not bad at all. I would be curious to kind of see what exactly he's doing in terms of minute-wise. Let's see here. He is playing a lot of minutes, it looks like. So, yeah, he's played 38 minutes in their last game against Atlanta Hawks. So I doubt they lost that one in overtime, two by two points. That's pretty crazy. Um, I would doubt that he might be available, but you just never know with what direction the team's heading. If the Nets start really falling, maybe he could be somebody like that or somebody else on that team, uh, Royce O'Neal. Someone like that could be interesting to go out and get. Royce O'Neal is someone that I might be bringing up a little bit later because I do think that he is very uh, obtainable. But also going back to your Dorian Finney-Smith point right over here, not only is he good defensively, I didn't realize until just now he's shooting just under 45% from three on over six attempts per game. So that is not a fluke. That is uh, really encouraging to see. So you know what? He started 13 of the 14 games for Brooklyn, so maybe they do value him a a bit more. But I think someone like that would obviously have a defensive impact on his team at six foot seven. You know, he's he's got good length. Somebody like that makes sense, and and if they can Mm -hmm. find that, that'd be great. So let's move on to our next question here. This is from the old faithful rooster. He said, "Knowing that Buddy is unlikely to sign an extension, and given TJ TJ's role in consistency, could you see a TJ for Alex Caruso trade?" and a buddy for OG trade, and how many picks do you think would uh, be needed to pull off each one, and do you think this would solve our defensive problems? First, I want to say the goal in life is to find someone that you love as much as Rooster loves, you know, Alex Crusoe to the Pacers, because I feel that it's about once a week, it's like, all right, would you do this? And it's it's always someone else that he's tweeting at about his, his Crusoe offer. Look, I get it, but I don't think that TJ for Caruso straight up or even with a second-round pick or anything like that is going to happen because Alex Caruso has more trade value than that. He's an all-defensive type player. Um, I I think that the Bulls would be asking for more, and I think I've seen Rooster at times say, like, what about would you do two first-round picks or anything? It's just too much because right now you're still trying to get Nemhard more minutes. I feel like he hasn't had add enough minutes as you want. You still got McConnell floating around over there. So, yeah, if you, if you get rid of McConnell, you bring in Caruso. Who's losing minutes at that point? Because you need Alex Caruso to be playing enough minutes. Now, next, uh, as it relates to Buddy for OG and how many picks, maybe I'm just cheap. I think right now I, I can't see the Pacers giving up more than one first-round pick, Buddy, and a good part of the rotation for a guy that's going to hit free agency. I think that you could say that it could make a lot of sense, but it is also risky of what if you weren't able to retain OG and he walked because one of the things that the Pacers have that a lot of teams don't have is assets. And and right now I would be a little bit worried because I don't think that we're an OG away from making this massive run this year. So I'd be hesitant to really kind of empty that treasure chest. Yeah, that's interesting. I think for OG and Anobi, for me, if you're trading Buddy, you probably have to throw in there another young piece that makes sense, whether it's a Ben Shepard, whether it is a – I don't think, think I would do Ben Shepard because I think that Ben and Buddy are kind of similar to one another. So you probably want to keep Ben around just in case you do want to find someone that can play like that. But maybe you throw in Isaiah Jackson in there who's been playing a little bit better with Buddy Hill, and then maybe you throw in a, a 
the pick that we got from the Nuggets last year that's got the protections on it like crazy, and then you also maybe throw in an additional first-round pick for the future with some kind of light protection on it. Um, but you got to remember, this is a team that turned down any OG and Anobi offers that were even close to four first-round picks, I think, last year. Is that what the Toronto Raptors said? That so, Apparently, that's what it was. So. Yeah, so they apparently got four first-round picks. Now, they could have been sucky first-round picks, but – that's where Toronto's at. It does make things a little bit more interesting now because he is an expiring contract, and I know that kind of plays into things. But there's going to be a lot of bidders for OG, and I know that that he could be entering free agency. But if what we think was said to Tyrese Halliburton is true, then you have to kind of make that gamble. And especially if you know Buddy's not going to be here next year either, and Buddy's an expiring contract, you're kind of trading an expiring shooter for an expiring defender. And you have enough scoring on this team without Buddy? Probably so. So I think that losing Buddy would hurt for overall team chemistry, leadership, that kind of stuff. But I do think that it would also help the Pacers on court maybe get a little bit better by having OG here. Now for Alex Caruso, I'm with you, Rooster. I think Caruso could be a great fit here with the Pacers defensively. So I'm not a mad at I'm not mad at you for pushing the Caruso train. However, you have to realize there's going to be teams that are more desperate for an Alex Caruso than this Pacers team who already has Bruce Brown and Andrew Nimard. I don't think that um, they're necessarily better defenders than Caruso is right now, but they all kind of play the same spot. And they're all undersized. So it does get a little bit redundant with all three of those on the roster, and you feel like that could kind of muck things up. So if you're if you're wanting to maybe trade Bruce Brown for OG and then go get Caruso with TJ McConnell, maybe that's something you do. But I, I wouldn't trade Bruce Brown at this point because of how impactful he's been to the Pacers and what it kind of message it would send to free agents who come here. So – uh, I think that the Caruso trade, you might be able to get TJ plus something, but I just I just don't know exactly. It would help the defense. It definitely would help the defense, but I just don't know if there's a right trade out there for the Pacers to get this done. I don't know if there is because of just that that log jam at the guard spot, and then it's also like, okay, it's, it's going to cost at least a first-round pick and more. You're not mm-hmm. getting Caruso for TJ McConnell and like two second-round picks. like that. That's not going to happen. So yeah. I, I think that that is it is a bit redundant. And then obviously, look, if you could bring an OG, you talked about what your trade off was. I don't know if it gets it done. I, I really don't. I think it's you need tough. minimum, minimum two first round picks, a promising young player, and Buddy. And that promising young player could have to be is it, is it a Jarris Walker? Is it Andrew Nemhard? How all in are you willing to go without 110% certainty that he is re signing? That's the risky part. I would not trade Jaris Walker for OG Ananobi at this point. I would not. But I think I would probably trade him for Pascal Siakam. Siakam has a a all NBA ceiling. You know, that that is that is a guy who's been an all NBA player before. He he could be more of an all-star with OG. While he's a very good player, there's a very good chance that OG is never an all-star in this league. Like, you know, I'm not gonna say that he can't be. But I, I think that Siakam definitely raises the ceiling of this Pacers team, and obviously they have a major need at the four. So while OG can play it, you know, I, I feel like Siakam could very well slide right in there. But um, I, I do think that Siakam should require more in a trade, and I don't think that OG is the type of player that you go all in on on a trade right before he hits free agency. No, I, I totally agree with that, Fachi. So I'm looking here at the just salary numbers. You could do a – um, Buddy Hill, TJ McConnell, Jarris Walker for Pascal Siakam trade, and the Pacers would be able to absorb the extra $3.8 million to be taken back on Pascal's final year. But would that be something that interests you? 
So you said Buddy, McConnell, and Jarris Walker for Siakam. Yeah. I. It's tough because I feel like if he ends up resigning, it was amazing. You know, you could let's definitely just, let's just say the caveat is he does resign. It, yes, yes, I do that deal. I do that. I, I and you know what, Jarris Walker, we could always say, did we ever give him a chance? No, we didn't. Pascal Siakam is a really, really good player. If yeah. he doesn't re-sign, you say, all right, well, you know what? The Pacers took a swing, and uh, yeah, well, this set us back a, a bit. But I, if he re-signs, that is an amazing deal. Yeah, Pacer fans are probably quivering in their boots hearing us talk about the idea of trading away the first-round pick we just took last year. Or he ever gets to prove himself, of yeah. course. So, but, but with that being said, I, I still think that it's a fair conversation because if Jairus Walker can't really crack the rotation right now, He's a work in progress. He could still be really good. I think he does kind of fit what this offense is wanting to do or the scheme is wanting to do, but I think Pascal Siakam already does it, and you're getting yeah. more of a proven quantity instead of someone that could be uh, in that in that realm. It's not like we've been blessed with Ben Matherin and Andrew Nimmard having great rookie years. I know we're kind of going off on this question a little bit, but I just think that at this point you have to realize that not every rookie is going to be in be an in, uh, instant impact like those two guys were. And that's kind of what you're seeing with Jairus Walker. So he's good. He's got a lot of interesting qualities to his game. But I think with Toronto kind of setting, maybe hitting the reset button a little bit, it could make more sense for them to be like, okay, we're going to take a flyer on a young kid from Houston that does a lot of really interesting things. Maybe he could be the next Pascal Siakam in Toronto. You never know. But the pace they're trying to win now, I don't think Toronto necessarily is in that same boat as like no. they're in the same. They're, they're trying to win, but I don't think they're going to really get much further with the roster they have. They're not going to pull it off. They're, they're, they're expiring like some stale milk. It's it's getting old. But I do think there's something about Jairus Walker that feels like he would excel with the Raptors. Yes. I just feel like there, there's something there. But also, you know, if we're just going to turn the clocks back for just a few days, Pascal Siakam just ripped this Pacers team for 36 and 10. We know this guy can bring it night in, night out. And you want to talk about trying to find a number two option? That's a number two option right there. I totally agree, Pachi. Let's keep it moving here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, going to the next question. Faithful listener, Aaron M. said, is there a player that the Pacers could target via trade or next season that you think could actually help this defense? Yeah, in the offseason, I haven't really looked at the free agents that could be available, Fadji, so I don't know if you have one or two available up there for us to look at. But via trade, I'm not really sure right now who could be available because a lot of things change in the playoffs. But I'm not going to have much to say besides the two guys I've already mentioned for right now. So was there anybody else in the offseason, Fadji, that you thought we could target free agency-wise? 
Yeah. So essentially, outside of hey, if you're, if you're you know, go after OG. Yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Maybe you look at DeAndre Hunter via trade again. Maybe you revisit that. But Good in one. terms of, of other players, you know, when you look at the upcoming unrestricted free agency class, not great. I mean, you got Clay Thompson, you obviously got Siakam, Tobias Harris, whatever. But if you're looking for defensive upgrades, it's more in where the player options are. So there's players like a Drew Holiday that I don't think the Pacers would be in the running for. He probably opts in. There's Contavious Caldwell-Pope. There's Caleb Martin. Gary Payton Jr. And then there's a player that I mentioned earlier, Royce O'Neal. So I think that those are players that could be able to help the Pacers that you're not going to break the bank for. And those are uh, potential free agency options. Okay. Let me ask about this because I'm sure you guys are going to want to ask Paul George. I, I mean, look, sentimentally, I think a lot of us want it. At this point, Paul George is making a boatload of money. Definitely, you know, kind of more winding down. Actually, this is crazy. We talked about this months ago. The uh, 2010 draft class, it's just him and Gordon Hayward. That's all that's left. Yeah. So it, it's just he's not as young as he used to be. I, I think with that, all of a sudden, the Pacers would need to win a championship in order to really justify, you know, a big trade for Paul George. I think you could probably look at other options, but, you know. I wouldn't hate it if they did it, but I would say, oh, man, the Pacers are absolutely all in at this point, and I don't think we're ready for that. Somebody that I think could help us and give us a little bit of a hometown discount because he's kind of had an injury-ridden career. We've talked about him a lot for trades and stuff like that. That's Gordon Hayward. I, I think Gordon it. Hayward could actually be a nice fit for this team if it's about like a $12 million deal for like a one-year type thing, maybe one for 15 kind of prove it and not tie in a lot of long-term money to him, but just give him a year maybe with like a similar deal to Bruce Brown, but not as much money, maybe like a two for 30 with a team option on year two. Because I think that when you see Gordon Hayward, like he would actually fit in perfectly with this offense that they're trying to run. Nice secondary playmaker gives him some size where he can really shoot the ball well from three, can go down low. Like we saw him just abuse Ben Matherin when the Hornets came okay. here, just took advantage of the size advantage. And I think just getting another guy that's six eight six nine, I think he's actually a better overall player than Obi Toppin. Maybe uh, at this point in his career, he's not the same level in terms of athletically, obviously, but just yeah. like what he brings, they might be a little bit closer than we think. But I just think he's really smart, has a good basketball IQ. And it's not like I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my God, we should have traded for him three years ago, like we talked about um, whenever he was a free agent. But like, just think about that, too. Like if we don't, if that trade does go through, we don't we don't get Tyrese Halliburton because there's no way you trade yeah. Sabonis after you trade Turner. So it all worked out. Danny Ainge, thank you very much for, for being yeah. the stickler that you are. But Overall, I just think that Gordon Hayward on a small deal like that, kind of a proven deal with not a lot of money invested, I think he might be more enticed to, to leave Charlotte to come back home than people realize. And look, I don't know, Gordon Hayward. I know you don't either, but I feel like this man wants to come home. I feel like he, he tried before. He just want to leave like $20 million on the table last time. At this point, he's winding down in his career. I do, I, I do feel like he could be a good veteran that yes. can still contribute to winning instead of being like an end of the bench guy that you bring in. So I, I could see that, but um, yeah, those are the other players that I mentioned were more of uh guys that could be had via free agency outside of Hayward, but you know, every now and then Gordon Hayward's name and the Pacers, it's going to come up. So once again, we're back. We're back and we're not trying to be over the top about it. Like I'm trying to be yeah. like realistic about it. So people like come at me mad about it. Like, okay, I don't really <laughs> care. At this point, I'm not trying to trade anybody for him. I'm just talking about free agency no. with the cap space you got. So it does make some sense. And another player that I thought like as a veteran presence that could potentially help is a DeMar DeRozan. 
I just kind of wonder if that'd be a little bit too redundant with like a Ben Matherin. Does he play the right style for us? But I just feel like having an option where you know that there's a guy that can get you a mid-range jumper, get you a midi there when you need someone to get you one. Could that be interesting to, to go after and maybe look at? But then again, I just don't want him eating into too many minutes of a Ben Matherin and an Andrew Nimhard. So that's where that kind of gets tough. And I think he's probably got his eyes set on a bigger destination like a California team because he's from that area. So yeah. not not really a realistic one. But when I saw the name on there, I'm like, I like DeMar DeRozan. He's pretty good. He's, he's a good player. I mean, the question was asking specifically who could help us defensively. Uh, but you he, know, I think he could a little bit. I don't think he's as bad defensively as people make him out to be. No. No, but I, I think we would be wrong to be pushing our chips in to say, hey, all right, we got DeRozan. We should be a better defensive team now because we got a long way to go. But yeah. also, I, I just think that at this point in his career, for a guy who doesn't have a ring, uh, I, I think clearly that would be the icing on the cake for his career. So I do think that he will end up either trying to force his way to contender, you know, if he's not traded this year, or, you know, just sign with one outright in free agency. Yeah, and back to Gordon Hayward, like you might think he's not a good on-ball defender, but he's actually a really good team defender. So that's where I could see him impacting the game. But we got to keep it moving here, Fachi. I think I'm up for the next question. You are. Tell the truth, said, with the struggles on defense and giving up so many points at the rim, should the Pacers look to play bigger lineups at times, i.e. Jackson and Jarris at the four, sacrifice some offense for better defense? Honestly, Ajax is on a stretch right now, giving the Pacers quality minutes in just 15 minutes per game this month. He's averaging just about two and a half blocks, about four and a half rebounds. I like what I've seen. I don't think that he's been a liability out there um, by any means. And then just recently, we saw Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson play some minutes together, which is something that we hadn't seen. So, you know, that, that was that was cool to see. But as it relates to Jarris Walker, I think Rick knows best. He's not throwing him out there because he clearly isn't ready. The game has got to be fast. He's raw. I, I think that you're talking about a guy who still really, really young, just did one year at Houston. Uh, I think it's going to be a slow progression. But I, I think at this point, look, I'm with you. The points in the paint, it's been awful. Pacers are a bottom five rebounding differential team. And they're actually giving up – the. they have the worst differential in free throws given up to a team. So they're fouling. They're sending people to the line. They're getting worked in the paint. It, it's definitely bad, but I, I think that uh, Jarris Walker, hopefully later in the season, could be a solution. Right now, I just think you're asking too much out of him to be that yeah. solution. Yeah, and I mean, we saw it a little bit against the Pistons. We saw them go with Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith, and it was kind of nice to see like how that duo worked together because, I mean, we saw Jalen play the four last year a little bit. Obviously, didn't play well, but now that he's shooting the no. ball better, there is opportunities for that potentially to happen where you have a floor spacer in Jalen Smith, where Isaiah can kind of be the rim runner and also just have that length and impact defensively where he's able to block shots. But yeah, Jairus Walker to me, like we talked about this a lot, like he he's not ready right now, but he will add to the defense whenever he is ready to start playing and his time will come like Rick Carlisle said, but it just, you got to continue to stay ready. It can be kind of difficult as you're sitting there on the bench watching all these games happen and you're not really getting a chance to play, but in the G League, he he showed he had some had some good touch, had some good moments there. But a lot of guys have done that in the G League. Gogo yes. did that when he was here. TJ Leaf had some monster games in the G he League. Did. So it's just like it's hard to really find that right balance of like, okay, if they can do this in the G League, can they do this in the pros? And it's like the pros are just a lot different. It's a lot faster games, a lot better talent overall. But I, I think that maybe the, you're onto something a little bit here. But at the same time, the offense to me is the Pacers' strength, and if you're going to weaken their strength to try to make their defense just a little bit better. I don't necessarily think that that's the right move by playing double bigs just to try to maybe 
save yourselves, what, maybe four to five points a game at the most. Like, I don't think it's even going to be that much of an impact because I don't think the Pacers center position, like Isaiah Jackson, Miles Turner playing together is not going to happen. Um, it's just, it's just not a great fit. So I, I would honestly say, tell the truth. Like, yeah, they, they need to get better defensively. They need to sacrifice maybe some offense to get better defensively, but I don't think the solution of Jackson and Jarris is, is what's going to make that, make that happen. I just don't think it's coming down to like one guy can right. turn it around. It's gotta be a team effort, holding yourselves accountable night in, night out. That's the only way the Pacers can make any difference defensively. So yeah. next question we have Chase mm. said, with Halliburton taking a much larger leap than a majority of fans expected this season, do you think the front office will be more aggressive in trading for a second star to pair with Halliburton? All right, Fachi, let's say it together. One, two, three. Yes. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that's Come on, Chase. I, I love you, man. I appreciate your Twitter following and everything that you've uh, done for Pacer Nation. I got to say, Chase, you made a, a hilarious post where you took the, the picture of Anthony Edwards on ESPN, breaking news from Woj, where it just said breaking news, and you said the paces have traded for Anthony Edwards. Somebody shares it in a Facebook group. They believed it. Group, I saw that. Group, Facebook Pacers group. And my dad on Thanksgiving, do the Pacers trade for Anthony Edwards? Oh, like, man. Yeah, come on. Are you um, kidding me? Like, <laughs> We really had to have that conversation. I'm like, that's fake. And he was like, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, you can't rely on Facebook to give you the goods. But um, unless there's a unless there's a Woj or Shams behind it, not a Chase, you know, it's not real. Yeah. But Chase, I appreciate Chase you making my dad uh, fall for that one. But with that being said, I mean, not trying to be rude or anything like that, but yeah, the Pacers clearly want to get better. They want to find that second step for Halliburton. Halliburton is sending in two, potentially an MVP candidate. Like, I'm not even just saying that lightly. Like, fans were chaining that in the game, and he's been on, like, the MVP tracker, like, top of the board there. So, yeah, I mean, they've got to go out there and find number two. They might think it's on the roster, but we talked about that a little bit. So they're going to have to go out there and find someone to pair with him. And I think with having all the picks they have stockpiled up, having young players that they could potentially move, like a Jairus Walker, this is a good opportunity for them to kind of cash in while they still have the opportunity. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. You cannot ignore, you know, the climb to stardom that Tyrese Halliburton is embarking on. It would be such a mistake to to waste. You know, I know he's still so young, 23 years old, but it, it feels like if this isn't his prime, then I can't even imagine what his prime is. So yeah. you got you got to be able to push the chips in when the time comes. And I've said this for a while. The Pacers are setting themselves up to make a Donovan Mitchell-like trade where you have numerous first-round picks and some young players going out there. So I think that they will make the right move when that move becomes available. But I also think that that move could very well be this offseason. I don't think that the Pacers want to just rush it and just make a move just to make a move to guarantee a first round, you know, playoff appearance. I think they want to make that move to be able to say, okay, this is sustainable for years to come. So I, I think they look to target that move this off season for that second star or at least all-star. I'm in complete agreement with the other Fachi. So let's keep it moving here. And we will go to our last question. DJ Davis in the house, making another mailbag appearance. DJ, welcome back, my man. He wants to know, has Bruce Brown made the Pacers better? Who can we turn his 2024 team option into? First off, DJ Davis is a mailbag staple. DJ, staple. we appreciate you. What is uh, a mailbag? Look, when you say, has Bruce Brown made the Pacers better? Yes, he has. I think the Pacers are so bad defensively, it's easy to overlook that. 
But imagine how bad they would be without him because he's so versatile. He can guard, you know, numerous positions. I think he easily guard two through, you know, you could say four if you want, one through three at least, you know, with a little bit of four. But for a guy who's six foot four, I mean, it, he can only do oh so much. I mean, th- there's a lot going on, but he's also a secondary playmaker for the Pacers. Yeah. He's not being asked to do a lot offensively. So you look at his 11 and a half points per game, which matches his career high from last year. It's like, there's not a lot of games where he's really, you know, having to get up 10 plus shots, but the Pacers are six and three when he scores in double figures, he's got seven steals over his last three games. So you can see he is making an impact, but they have so many holes defensively. It's just hard for him to change this whole, you know, defensive team around or defensive impact. What could we turn his team option into? A lot. I don't have necessarily a player off, uh, you know, off the bat, but it's twenty-two and a half million dollars that we're talking to in sa- uh, talking about in salary when you might not have Buddy Hield. He's the major trade chip for the Pacers. I think that could go a long way when you're looking to go, you know, big name hunting for, for a potential All Star. Yeah, I think that you're right. Bruce Brown has been significantly impactful for this team, and. He logged once again the most minutes in the Pistons game, almost 37 minutes to match Cade Cunningham's. Like, he's been really good, and it's not always going to show up in a box score. That's just kind of who Bruce Brown is. And we've talked about that a little bit throughout the year. We haven't really, t- like, he doesn't give you stats that pop off the page, and it kind of is like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, three of 10 last night against the Pistons. Like, is that a really good player? Shooting wise, no, he's been kind of hit or miss shooting wise, but defensively is where he is most important. And, you know, you talked about the secondary playmaking, things like that. So, you gotta be you gotta be a fan of what you've seen so far because he's been able to give you some consistency and he's just he's just a smart basketball player who has that championship experience. He's played with a lot of great players, doesn't mind taking a backseat, and that's kind of a nice thing. You kind of need guys that know their role and accept them and embrace them. So I have no problem with that, and I don't I don't really think they're gonna trade him at all. I think that I'd be more shocked if he's not on the roster next year. But I'm always gonna go back to what I've said before, and I think that John Hollinger brought this up at one point on, on the, the low post in an off-season podcast is they can decline that option and then sign him to a different deal and maybe get him for three years for $15 million or three years for $12 million, $12 million a year. That way he's getting good money, but it's being more spread out and he's getting less per year, but he's still getting paid a, a, handsomely, a, a handsome amount. So that would help the Pacers also with having free agency money to go out and get somebody else. And so that's kind of how they could help that 2024 team option turn into more of a secondary player. I think that's a great, great point by you. It, it could be anywhere. I mean, look, who who knows what the figures might be? Maybe it's, you know, three years, $18 million, and, and it saves the Pacers about $4.5 million per year. Whatever it may be, I think for a guy like Bruce Brown, this is obviously, you know, his, his prime. This is his time to cash in. So I think that that does make a lot of sense. Either way, bottom line, there's a lot of wiggle room with that contract and what the Pacers can do. And I think that that is um, just another one of those major assets that the Pacers have that other teams do not. All right, Fachi, that's going to be part one of the mailbag. We'll be back later this week for part two. Go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Set the Pace. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Throw me off there a little bit because it wasn't going with the flow. But Instagram came in a little bit later there. But almost, I almost it forgot it. Saved myself in the moment. I appreciate it. You, you gave me a little... 
Oh, I remember now I messed up. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, YouTube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. And if you're listening to this and we answer one of your questions and you haven't done it yet, please help us out. Go leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast and on Spotify. We are trying to get to the 350 mark by the end of the year. So we got a month. Tell your friends, tell your family, take someone's phone that you see randomly. Just say, hey, have you been listening to Setting the Pace? Go give them a five-star rating interview. It'll do them some really good. So anyway, with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited for another Pacers game against the Portland Trailblazers and hoping the Pacers can continue their winning streak, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.